As always, the uh, y'all may be seated. As always, we say it, not to say that it's ever closed, but the altar is open. If you want to bring a need tonight to the altar, specifically a praise, um, certainly the altar is open. But let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you again for all you've done. We thank you for your love and your mercy on this very special evening. And I know there's a somber tone, Lord, and we do it out of respect for you. We lift up our church and the very many needs that we know are there. We, we get the emails from the prayer chain, and, and we see the many needs from our, our, just our church family and then those that we were associated with, our friends, our families, our neighbors. God, you never said it was going to be easy, but you said you would be there with us. And so tonight we lift up um, the needs that we're aware of, Lord. We, we lift up those that we aren't because we know that you are. And once again, we pray for your presence and the Holy Spirit to be here tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, and we look forward to his return. Amen. I think I can see you. It's perfect, perfect lighting. So normally, no, this is fine. Light is fine. So normally, when, when on, on a uh, um, Good Friday service, uh, pastors will preach on a couple of things, and they'll they'll go, they'll start with, you know, starting with the, the triumphal entry, go through the Holy Week. We've got Passover, and on to the Garden of Eden, or Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, and then Jesus is arrested. And then usually, what happens? Then we we fast forward, and we get to the part where Jesus is with Pilate. And Pilate says, fine, I wash my hands with the whole deal and leads Jesus out. And Jesus, of course, is led out. He carries his cross. He's tortured. He's mocked. He's abused. And then finally, of course, he's, he's crucified. The most horrible death anyone can have. And that's really where Good Friday messages fall. But there's this six to eight hour period between those parts where Jesus goes through six trials. And these trials are three political and they're three religious trials. And here's how it starts. Then the chief priests and the elders, well, I've got the first part. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now that whole week Jesus was back and forth, Mount of Olives, then Bethany, uh, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, you know, back and forth during that week. But finally he's coming. He knows once he gets to Jerusalem, it's all going to happen. And he says that he will be handed over to be crucified. And the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So they now got together and they said, okay, this is it. We've been trying. We've tried to trap him. We've done all these things. This is it, guys. He's here in Jerusalem. We're going to grab him. We're going to arrest him. And we're going to kill him. And the thing is, as Shakespeare says, and therein lies the rub. That's from Shakespeare. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, all saw Jesus as a threat to their religion, their authority, and what they believed, and their way of life. Instead of looking at him, and this, this just came to me yesterday. That's why sometimes the notes, I just, I'm, I'm up in the middle of the night typing notes for sermons, because something just comes to me and I, I, can't, I can't go back to sleep. 
They were looking at him as a threat to their religion and their authority and what they believed, their way of life, instead of looking him at him at the very fulfillment of their faith and their religion. It was standing right there in front of them. And they missed it. But that was that they looked at him as a threat instead of the fulfillment. Granted, they were offended and they, you know, their, their authority was going to be taken away. Instead of feeling angry, worried, and vengeful, they should have been overjoyed that they were alive to see the fulfillment of the Old Testament standing right in front of them. Now, my little commercial for all things prophetic, I think it's that way today. There's no doubt that our world is in an upheaval. Right is wrong, wrong is right, evil is good, good is evil, up is down, down is up. But we need to understand that we are living right smack dab in the middle of scriptural prophetic fulfillment. And right in front of us, if we choose to see it, instead of living in fear, anxiety, and frustration, we need to appreciate our position as the generations that are seeing God's prophetic plan unfolding before our very eyes. The religious leaders missed it the first time. We don't want to miss it the second time. We are watching it happen. I saw another posting that had the the Bible, um, and it said that many people don't realize that the events in this book are being played out before their very eyes, and that's what's happening. Okay, now we go back to the regularly scheduled program. That was thought I had I had to get out. So then Judas agrees to betray. So the next slide shows that then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out him 30 pieces of silver. Of course, the price of betrayal, that's become a, just a standard you know, um, price of betrayal. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over to the religious leaders. So we have this whole event that's going on. We have Passover, we have the Garden of Gethsemane, we have his arrest, we have his trials. And we have his crucifixions. So let's take a look at a very, very long night. It starts out with the Passover. And then, of course, we move to Jesus praying in the garden, the arrest, the six trials, and, of course, the bread and the, and the wine being the, the symbols of his crucifixion. For Jesus, we see the passion. We see the torture and the, the crucifixion. But this was a long night. They arrested him at midnight, and they kept him busy for the next six hours. In six different trials, all mock, all illegal. So let's take a look at these. Let's take a look at the players. So here's who's involved in these six trials. Yes, sometimes I feel like a college professor, but I just, I just have so much I want to tell you. So the, the players are, and I should, that should be in your handout. First, there's Annas. Annas was the former high priest. He's the father-in-law to Caiaphas, the current high priest, still very influential, and is believed to be the real hidden power and influence behind Caiaphas. So he was former high priest, but he was the father-in-law. He still had influence. Then there was Caiaphas, the current Jewish high priest, oversees all religious issues, the leader of the Sanhedrin, the one that's allowed to go into the temple every year on Yom Kippur to offer the sacrifice on the holy day. He is the high priest. Then we have the Sanhedrin. There's a ruling tribunal made up of religious leaders and rabbis appointed, uh, you know, anywhere from 20 to 70, getting any take, given any take, any day. Pontius Pilate, the Roman appointed governor, the ruler of Judea, which included Jerusalem. So Pontius Pilate was appointed to be there. And if you know anything about the Roman government, which none of us, unless we've studied it, it was a very tenuous position. If Rome, if you couldn't keep things under control, Rome would replace you. 
And it wasn't like, okay, we'll bring you back, we'll find you another job. It was, we'll bring you back, we'll kill you, and we'll put somebody there who will be able to do the job. And then finally there's Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas ruled over Galilee. His dad was the one that tried, Herod the Great had tried to put Jesus the baby to death. When Herod the Great died, his area from a, from a political slash Jewish rulership in cooperation with the political, with the Roman government was divided up into four, called a tetrarch. There was four different offsprings that were given um, control and Herod got Galilee. So this are the six trials. The six trials of Jesus, I found this quote, were a total miscarriage of justice involving Jewish leadership, envy and hatred, political games and protection, and just pure evil and cowardice. There were three religious trials and there were three political trials. And ironically enough, he was found guilty at the three religious trials and not guilty at the three governmental trials. So go figure that one. So let's take a look at it. First one. The first trial is before Annas. Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, brought before Annas, the former high priest. The Bible says that a detachment of soldiers with his commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and they brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest of that year. Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for Another. So meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. So they went to Annas, the high, he calls the high priest, but our, our former presidents have the same title. You know, there's President Clinton, President uh, Trump, President Obama. I mean, so president, even though they brought him for the high priest, this was for, for Annas. He questioned Jesus. He says, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why are you questioning me? When Jesus said this, one of the officials slapped him in the face and said, is this the way you answer the high priest? If I said something wrong, Jesus said, testify to me as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? And Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So the first trial, Jesus was arrested. He went before Annas, the former high priest, the person pulling those strings. The Jewish leaders and conspirators did not want to disturb the high priest, Caiaphas, until they had consulted with Annas. Do you think we have a case? And Annas said, absolutely. Just send him before my son-in-law and we'll, we'll take care of this. So Jesus was then sent to Caiaphas. Meanwhile, Caiaphas had started the assembly. The word had gone out, get the Sanhedrin together because we are going to make a decision tonight. So trial number two was before Caiaphas. As the Sanhedrin assembled and met to decide what to do with Jesus, bribe the witnesses, get everything you know, set, and then plan their next move, Caiaphas then cross-examined Christ on his claims on being the Messiah and demanded answers to the false charges. And the interesting thing about them, again, is that the Sanhedrin never met at night. They were supposed to be public. It was supposed to be open to the Jews if they were doing a trial. It was against Jewish custom because the meetings were supposed to be public. So this was, by all intents and purposes, these were illegal trials. They were absolutely not, should not have been going on. The Bible says Jesus took, they took Jesus to the high priest Caiaphas and all the chief priests and elders And the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest where he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. 
The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they could not find any. So, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. I love the, the, the fact, I love the saying that says, always tell the truth, because then you don't have to remember what you said. That's a great line. If you try to lie, you have to lie and remember, well, who did I tell this lie to? If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said, because you'll always tell, the, you'll, whatever people ask you something, it'll be the truth. They stood up and gave false testimony. We heard him say this. We heard him say that. Then the high priest Caiaphas stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer these? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Like a lamb before the slaughter, he remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked Jesus, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming down, coming on the clouds of glory. And at that, we've seen the different movies. Caiaphas ripped his garment out of, out of sorrow and said, The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? You have heard this blasphemy. What do you think? And they all, the Sanhedrin, condemned him as worthy of death. Some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists. This is the Jewish leaders and the guards striking Jesus blindfolded with their fists and saying, prophesy, who hit you? If you're so smart, who, who's the one slugging you? And so the third trial was, was right after this. This was basically the Sanhedrin taking a vote. Now the daybreak was coming. So all this was done at night. This was all done at night. You know, it was, it was illegal. At daybreak, this is the third trial, yes, at daybreak, the council of elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them one final time. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. And he said, you know what, I'll tell you, you will not believe me. If I asked you, you would not answer, but from now on the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. And they all asked, then you are the Son of God? And he replied, well, you say that I am. And they said, we don't need any more testimony. We've heard it from his own lips. So their illegal secret court hearings are now over. And having determined that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy, which is a Jewish crime punishable by death, they determined now to bring him to drink Jesus before Pontius Pilate, since only the Romans could execute criminals. So now we go to Pontius Pilate, trial number four. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. Number one is, no, he didn't oppose taxes. If you remember, they asked him, Should you pay taxes to Caesar? He said, Give me a coin. They gave him a coin. He says, Whose picture's on it? They go, Caesar's. He goes, Well, then render to Caesar what's Caesar's and render to God what's God's. And the, you know, the, the disciples are go, or the, the, the Pharisees are going, and they walk off because they thought they had him. If they pay taxes to Caesar, the Jews are going to hate him. If they say, no, you shouldn't, then he's, he could be arrested. So they could, he, he did never said to not pay taxes. And Pilate asked him, oh, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, apparently you've said so. And Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis of a charge against him. That they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea. He started in Galilee, 
And now he's come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked him if he, oh, so you're a Galilean. So now Pilate has his out. Pilate found out that Jesus was a Galilean and that Herod, we talked about Herod Antipas, who was over Galilee, was in town for the Passover. He thought, this is great. So we're going to send him on over to Herod and I can, don't have to worry about this. So trial number five was before Herod Antipas, one of the four tetrarchs that were ruling other regions around um, Judea. So they brought Jesus over and he was excited. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted, he wanted to get him to perform a miracle, much like a circus monkey. He just wanted to see a miracle. On this, hearing this, Pilate asked if he was a Galilean. When Jesus learned, when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. And from what he heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform some sign of some sort. And he plied him with questions. But Jesus didn't give any answers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law are standing there and they're going, they're accusing him. And Herod said his soldiers ridiculed and they mocked him and they teased him. They dressed him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. And that day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they were enemies. So Herod goes, you know what? This guy, this is the one that's causing all the problem. He didn't do anything. So send him back to Pilate. And so now we get to trial number six, and we're back to Pontius Pilate again. Then the Jesus, the leaders, the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace to the Roman governor. They brought him back to Caiaphas. Caiaphas, let's go back to Pilate. By now it was early morning, still, because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover later on. Let's get over. Let's go ahead and hurry up and kill Jesus the Son of God, so we can go ahead and celebrate the Passover to thank God for his deliverance from Egypt. Seems a little hypocritical to me. Well, if he were not a criminal, they would not have handed him over to you. So Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. We have no right to execute anyone, they said. And this took place to fulfill what Jesus has said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, or did others tell you that, said Jesus? Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Right away, Pilate was there. He goes, He's not trying to be a king here. If it were, then my servants would have fought to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then. Well, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world was to testify to the truth. And he says, well, what is the truth? Pilate said, I, I would love to know the truth. So he went out again in front of the, the Jewish leaders. I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner. So now he was okay. I've, I've got to figure out a way. So he offered up. I have, we have two prisoners. We have Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist. He was a terrorist. He was, you know, he was a protester, and he all of these things that he had done. And I have Jesus. Which one of you? Which one of these two can I release to you? Well, they had already paid the crowd, and of course they shouted, "Give us Barabbas! Give us Barabbas!" Why? What crime has he committed? Pilate said. 
They shouted all the lighter, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting and there was his fear that would get news would get back to Rome, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. And he said, it is your responsibility. And the people answered and they cried out, his blood be on us and our children. They were so arrogant and so evil and so stirred up that they were crucifying the Son of God. And they, it wasn't enough to just call for his crucifixion. When Pilate said, I'm, I'm done with it. You take him, crucify him. I'm okaying it. I'll tell my guards, go ahead and do it. And they said, that's okay because his blood, let him be on us and our children. We don't care. So he released Barabbas, but he had Jesus flogged and then handed over to be crucified. At last, Pilate relented and turned Christ over to be beaten to appease the Jewish leaders and for the additional false charge that he had to have some sort of charge of being king of the Jews. And the thing is, is he had it written in a, on a wood piece of wood over the cross that said king of the Jews in three different languages. And the Jewish leaders were upset and went to him and said, no, no, you should have carved it and said, he said he was the king of the Jews. And he goes, what I put on there stays. So even Pilate, one last, I don't know, there's been a lot of discussion of whether Pilate ever was a believer or not. And that's not for me to decide. That's, that's for the Lord to decide. One last attempt, he puts the, uh, um, the sign. Well, at this point, we know what happens. Jesus is taken he is beaten, and we sorrowfully will have the, uh, uh, the, the attendants come up for the communion. We sorrowfully but gratefully focus from now on in many of the, of the, of the um, Good Friday services on the beatings, the mockery, the torture, the long agonizing walk to Calvary, and ultimately the crucifixion of our Lord. Go ahead. Everything from watching The Passion of the Christ or the greatest story ever told to our own devotions and services like this one. In honor and acknowledgement of what Christ sacrificed on our behalf, let us partake of the Lord's Supper, the communion, with both gratitude and remembrance. If you will come forward and take the elements. And this is a very solemn night, so try not to talk and socialize while you're coming forward. And just take the elements and return to your seat. And if you can't come and get them, we'll make sure that we get the elements to you.
Does everybody have elements? While we get the last thing settled, let's just take another moment just to quiet, quietly contemplate what this night means, um, what Jesus did for us. Any other, anybody else need the elements? I think we're good. Okay, great. Thank you, Gary and Brenda. I love the passage in Corinthians. Of course, I talked a lot about it last week, about the Passover and how it connects with the with communion, how Jesus took specific elements, specific time of the Passover. He took the bread and broke it, the specific cup, the third cup of redemption, and said, this now is my blood. And I talked about Paul being trained in the desert for three years outside of Damascus, personally by the Lord, and coming back. And it says here in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, the third cup of redemption. That's my notes. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are now going to have a special song, and then afterwards we'll just have the lights uh, turned off and we'll just file out quietly um, at the end of the song. You can fellowship once you uh, get into the, into the foyer, but let's make this as reverent and as respectful as possible. Thank you.